You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Because I think sometimes we can look at obedience and choosing to trust God of like, I'm just going to trust Him where we think as humans it matters, Mm. but we forsake trusting God with little things that do matter. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, here with two special guests. First, Ben Kioski. Ben, welcome. Hey, what it do? And we've got a very first-time guest with us. Long-time listener, first-time guest. The one, the only, Taylor Avaroa. Taylor, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I am a long-time listener, so it's fun to sit on the other side of this and be a special guest. What an honor. Wow. Well, so you have a great name too, so we're already off to a great start. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to start with the first question. You had a great message yesterday, so I'd love to kind of hear just kind of as we've been going through this series on God's faithfulness and this week talking on the heart and the story of David and just the heart as a whole, uh, kind of what was it like preparing for that? What was maybe something that stuck out to you kind of early on as you were preparing for your message? Yes, as I mentioned yesterday, I love to talk about the heart and what that really means and things that are in the heart. And for some people, that's easier. For some people, that is harder. It's easier for me to listen to people talk about what's inside of their hearts than always talking about my own. And so I think as I was preparing for the message this week, I wanted to be really clear on the definition of heart that um, I wanted to kind of dive into using David's life as an example. And so getting that original word and dissecting into that, it brought me a lot of clarity on um, the 830 times that that word heart, um, which is said lev, but spelled L-E-B, what that really means, that inner man, that will, that mind, and that emotional intellect. And so I wanted to be able to kind of set the stage with a clear definition um, so that as we talk through David and his own heart after God, what that really means and could look like um, and look like for us. That's awesome. And this is a question I want to open up to both of y'all, but what would you say to someone that they hear that and they're like, yes, that's a great message, but you you don't know my heart and my heart is not, you know, something I, I want to talk about or share. So what is someone that maybe is just feeling that sense of, yeah, that sounds great on, on paper and at church and a message, but practically like, I don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. It's, it's not, it's not pretty. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that there's probably times that we all feel that way about ourselves, especially when um, those feelings of guilt and shame and um, just loneliness and isolation, all of those feelings come into play. And so I think, you know, in thinking about the heart, there's that first step of um, just acceptance and knowing that no one has it together. And there's not anyone whose heart is perfect other than God, his his own heart. And, you know, really just being okay with that being acceptance. And I would encourage that individual, and I've needed those individuals in my own life, um, to really find someone um, that they feel is safe 
and take that first step after you go to God to find someone that can walk that road beside you um, and kind of reset those thoughts that are easy to come about, um, you know, it, uh, about being alone and you're the only one and, um, you know, that first step of accepting that understanding that God knows that about you, and then find someone who you feel safe with, that you can walk that road ahead. Yeah, um, I think uh, for me, I spent a lot of time uh, in my formative years of, um, I mean, we're always being formed, of course, right? But in my formative years as a super young uh, believer, I spent a lot of time acting differently outwardly than what my heart actually was, mm-hmm. you know? And that created a huge difference between who, who I actually was as a person and then how I was perceived and how I was known. Mm-hmm. And, man, that creates a huge angst. And I think that's common for a lot of people in many different ways. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, because we all want to be known for who we actually are, for what our heart really is. Like, I would ne- my, my heart never in my life has ever been to hurt anyone, belittle anyone, judge anyone, or presume that I'm better than anyone. But I spent a long time in my life doing all of those things. And I think, you know, what one thing that you just said is that God knows mm. our heart. And I think as we lean into that reality and rest in that, uh, I think our heart actually starts to overtake our actions a little bit more as we settle in and we rest in um, being who God made us to be, the, good, the, the goodness that he's put in us, which is really only from him, you know, the good that's in us comes from him mm-hmm. and staying connected with him and leaning into who God has really made us to be and who God knows us to be and who God is calling us to be and who he continues to teach us to be through his word. Um, then our heart kind of uh, uh, over, overtakes our propensity to insert foot in mouth and act act in um, act in ways that aren't consistent with what we know our heart is, you know. Because I, I remember, you know, and there's there's some people that come to mind. I won't name them, but I remember distinctly watching those relationships deteriorate as they were hurt by me. And it took me a long time to realize how that happened. And it wasn't my heart for those people at all, you know. And that wasn't who who I was. And yeah, that's just one part of you know being known, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that and the God knows piece because I think that when we start to accept that and understand that and apply it to ourselves, it really does allow us to live in a lot of freedom. And um, I think it grows our trust in God and it grows um, our relationships with others. But that first step of, you know, taking off the things that entangle us or the things that we want to run to to try to save us um, and just kind of soaking in what it means that God knows us and He knows our hearts and His intentionality with putting certain things and experiences and gifts and traits inside each one of us. You know, it all kind of stems from that piece of God really knowing us and allowing God to know us. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Um, one thing, Taylor, you referenced that Sean referenced as far as this concept of a heart check. And just mm-hmm. as we talk about the heart, and can you maybe elaborate and just kind of uh, fill people in real quick on that if they haven't heard that before, as far as what is a heart check? How should I do one? Why should I do one? Kind of what have you seen? Yeah, so I mentioned um, kind of referencing what Sean had said a few weeks ago about just taking you know, a few seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, a few minutes, 30 minutes, depending on the amount of time that you have and quieting all of the external factors and really taking that time to be self-aware and identify what is inside of your heart. Where are you feeling a lot of joy? Where are you feeling a lot of peace? Where are you not feeling those things? Why are you hurting? Um, Where are you caught in ugly, hurtful patterns, all of those things that kind of fill in, you know, that that word of your your inner man, your will, your mind, your intellect, taking time to evaluate those because we have to know what is inside of us to know where to go from there. And so if we, uh, you know, as we practice self-awareness, we're going to be quicker to be able to, you know, jump in and follow the next steps that need to come. Yeah, and I think you know once once we reach whatever whatever the level of it is or whatever the issue is, once we reach that uh, self awareness, um, then we're able to, in the midst of the heart check, um, uh, weigh that and test that. Is this consistent with godly mm-hmm. character? You know, absolutely. What I mean? And um, I think that's the 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 rest of the also and. With um, with with the heart check is you take that stuff, you you just said next steps. So I guess I'm just saying that's the next step, you right. know, is to is to uh, is to fi- is is to take it to God and be like, hey, uh, so, you know, read the scripture, get some counsel. Is this is this godly character? Is this consistent with what God mm-hmm. wants for me? Is this is this is this the heart of God inside of me? Which is really what we're trying to do is be transformed in that way. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah, definitely. And I think that sometimes we hear things like a heart check and we give it one try and then maybe it's not what we expected or, you know, what we wanted or maybe we found things inside of us that we didn't know were there. And so we kind of move on to try to find the next quick fix. And, you know, one thing I've noticed in my own life is the quicker I am to practice that. It's like working out or running, you build an endurance. The the quicker I am to really desire to sift out those things and go to God with them, and then the quicker I am to take the next steps that are needed. Yeah, that's great. I love even too something tying in an earlier point you just said about even just going to a safe person and having mm-hmm. a conversation. Like we know that that person is not the ultimate counselor, the true counselor, that, yeah. the source of that. But I do feel like, uh, and this could be a whole another separate talk, but as far as the idea of blind spots and just the mm-hmm. idea that God designed community and in a way that biblical community in a way that we can identify even ways that like for me, I didn't think that was a, a heart problem, but based on actions, as people pick up on stuff, they're like, hey, yeah, that, you know, you're doing this. And so I think it's hard for me to hear that. And I think definitely uh, I'm I'm still trying to mature in that area as far as receiving that in a way that uh, I then take that and apply that and repent and, and go through that. But I think that's another kind of just um, great way of, of being able to process and kind of identify heart issues as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we all need people to come alongside of us in our joys and our struggles and our hardships. 
um, and community and community groups or having someone that is discipling you or mentoring you. Is, there's a lot of value in that. And I think God designed it that way for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, yesterday you talked on kind of three characteristics of uh, a healthy heart. And so I'd love to go through each one of these. They were harmony, obedience, and humility, uh, posturing uh, ourselves in humility. So I wanna start with this first one here, uh, harmony, and just ask both of y'all kind of, what's the significance of harmony and what have you seen that look like just even in a practical uh, stance? Yeah, so as you look at David's life, I mean, there's so many aspects that we can pull out of the example of David and what God saw inside of David. And But when I was kind of filtering through what some of that may look like, uh, you know, I just kept coming back to that word harmony. And I think thinking about harmony, it's easier to think about what the opposite of harmony is and being at discord and out of sync. And um, I gave the example of, you know, a song that is out of tune or has a bad harmony on it. I can't turn it off fast enough. And so I think that when us as individuals, um, when our hearts are out of harmony and out of alignment with God, that's something that we need to be really quick to to check and to change, um, I, you know, I I spend most of my days with toddlers, and so um, we have been working on what it looks like to live in harmony with each other. Um, and my kids can tell you that that's been a big word at our house the past few months. Um, you know, moving in the same direction with the same purpose together. Um, and, but I think that first look is what is inside us. Yeah, well, I mean, when it co- if you want to hear disharmony, let's just start with that. If you want a great example of, of disharmony and what uh, Taylor's talking about, you can rewatch uh, the second service, uh, Cypress Creek Church Sunday. <laughs> we, had, we had a good one on the last song before the message, if you just want to check out that intro. Or, you know, just listen to a toddler play drums, and that yeah. really is going to give you some the opposite of that. And yes. none of us want... You know, at the end of the day, none of us want to live our lives like that because it's miserable to be out of harmony. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, when I think uh, about harmony, you know, there's, uh, to to, to take the music analogy probably further than it needs to go, um, you know, there's different different types of harmony. You know, there's, there's several different parts and ways to sing it and ways to make it all sound great. Um... But not all harmonies that sound good are completely and totally absent of a dissonant note. And what that means is part of what I'm trying to say is part of getting to uh, harmony is working through that dissonance in order mm-hmm. to in, in order to, to, to maintain the consistency of heart, the consistency yeah. of character, the consistency of a relationship. And that's and that's part of the process. And that and every once in a while that dissonant note. Um, that comes in, it, it, it actually part of the process. It's like a passing tone that gets you to the good harmony. You know what I mean? And so there, I've just extrapolated that <laughs> way farther than anybody ever wanted to hear. But um, No, I mean, that's good <laughs> that it, harmony doesn't come automatically. It's something we need to work and, you know, build in. Yeah, and Taylor, I love one of the things, whether it was how you define harmony or just a, a side point to that was you said, what's important to God is important to us. And I think that was just a very simple, but 
profound uh, statement as far as just a, a heart check there as far as, okay, are the things that are important to me important to God? And part of that requires me learning what is important to God because I kind of know already what is important to me. But, but so I think that's one great indicator of that too is just mm-hmm. the idea of from the very high level, very beginning, it's like, okay, am I prioritizing? Am I valuing the things that, that he values? So... Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great question you can even start with, with looking inside, you know, are are there things that God says? And that does require some study on our part to know what matters to God. And so looking into, you know, the Bible and pulling out, you know, places to start on that, I think that that is really key to being able to evaluate our own hearts. The second point you had was obedience. And then kind of the sub point from that was trusting God to do what's next. That's kind of been a big underlying factor as we look at God's faithfulness and the idea that, you know, God's faithful through it all. But we, on the other hand, have issues as far as with trust and even just in the season we're in and just how difficult it can be. So kind of what's what's the... This is maybe a loaded question, but what's kind of the biggest way you've seen obedience play as far as in the heart? And what are some ways that you either personally or just in the lives of others have seen um, just obedience contribute to a healthy heart? What are some mm-hmm. practical ways to get there? Yeah, I mean, that that is a big <laughs> that is a big question. And I think that obedience comes with such differing connotations to so many individuals. And so looking, like you said, at obedience um, with the lens of choosing to trust God um, is really important. And I think that when I look at times um, in my life where I have chosen to trust God and other times when I've either tried to do it myself or to keep God out or have swerved from God's commands, I really think the key word there is trust. And the key word is a willingness inside of me to chase after where God is leading me um, and not to follow my own pride, my own ego, even my own fear that can hold me back at times. I, yeah, and I think um, um, when, it, when it comes to you know obeying and living in obedience and trusting God, really obeying is, um, this is a way that I've explained it to myself, <laughs> is uh, obeying is agreeing with God mm-hmm. that His plan is better, yeah. that His truth is, is supreme over my opinion. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, and that his his path is better. His purpose is um, worth worth living for. And so obeying and trusting is that when anything that's going on in my life, in my mind, in my plans, in my opinions comes uh, comes into into contrast with what seems to be God's prompting or seems to be his plan or like I said, in the small things and in the big things. Uh, obeying is, uh, like you said, like a decision of the heart, a, a resolution mm-hmm. to when we come up to those things, we make the choice to follow what God says. You know, even though I may not like it or, you know, it may not have been my idea of what my life was going to look like, you know, and all that. So. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned the big things and the little things because I think sometimes we can look at obedience and choosing to trust God of like, I'm just going to trust Him where we think as humans it matters. Mm. But we forsake trusting God with little things that do matter. And that's kind of part of the—I um, may be getting a little ahead of myself, but part of that 
analogy I gave about um, the freeze tag game of run, freeze, and pray, and how we can run and run in life and, you know, doing great or not doing great, but then when a internal or external circumstance comes, we really need to stop right there, and we need to freeze, and then we need to pray and not turn to the little things, um, you know, like social media and phoning a friend who may or may not be helpful, but really stopping right there in obedience, freezing and praying um, about, about those things. Yeah, that's great stuff. Leading into the third point on humility and kind of posturing ourselves in humility. Taylor, you said a few um, kind of lines here. One, the idea of being cho- like choosing to, to be led by God, mm-hmm. and that's being a big factor. We've kind of already touched on that. And then this idea of accepting that God's ways are better than our ways. Mm-hmm. So how, how, is, how, do we, how do we get there? How do we kind of model that practically? Conversation podcasts love to talk practical stuff. So how do we humble ourselves? And what does a humble posture look like when it comes to choosing to be led by God? Yeah, you know, for me, I think that when I, it's helpful to think of humility in the with the metaphor of it being a posture, and um, I think pretty clearly in you know word pictures or in vid- visual images, and so thinking and even picturing myself postured before God kind of helps me imagine what it might look like if my heart does that, and um, I think some of those practical ways it comes back again to that that piece of being self-aware and um, that piece of accepting that God knows, and that's being the starting place. Um, and then from there, when we identify the things that make up our hearts, we can reposture them or discard them so that we are then in submission and, um, you know, submitted in a posture of humility to God. I find for myself, a lot of times, um, the easiest and fastest way to get to humility is by simply just making the choice. And, okay, God, I have, you know, chosen to be independent, or I have chosen to, you know, try to withhold something, which is a funny concept to withhold something from God. Um, but when I am able to simply pray that and say that out loud, immediately on the inside, I feel like my heart posture then realigns with God. And it's in those moments of transparency and vulnerability um, with God that that's my first step in, in that posture. That's a great explanation. I don't really have a lot to add to that other than kind of the, this one-liner that humility does not need any other approval mm-hmm. besides God's. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a real humility in my estimation, or at least that's how I try to <laughs> police my own mind. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, if I'm acting in certain ways, trying to, uh, you know, one-up somebody or trying to be uh, in control of a situation that, has nothing to do with me, or if I'm looking for approval outside of what God wants me to do, then I'm probably not being humble. You know, I'm not living in a humble way. Again, in the small day-to-day, but in like the big picture items too, you know? Yeah, I love that. And I think that that is closely tied to, you know, the thought process of where are we seeking our approval? And when we are 
putting power in what maybe even a close friend says or what someone we don't even know says, but we follow yeah. them on social media, and that's where the power is. We're taking away from the power of God. And so, again, you turn your you know your compass back to what God is saying. And it's not that others' opinions don't matter or whatever, no, yeah, especially close not. people. Yeah. You know, that's not what I was trying to, trying to say, but no, no. I think you're absolutely right that— um, it's just, uh, yeah, what you said and then what I said. It's that. So I'll just repeat it without saying it. Yeah, I mean, in my head, it really does give me the image of like a funnel. And so you take all these things that we encounter every day, all these thoughts that we have, all of these life patterns that have built up and experiences that have shaped us. But when we can funnel them through who God is and what He says about us, it changes our responses and reactions. And, you know, we want to be around people. We are naturally, as humans, drawn to people who are living in harmony with God, who are choosing obedience, and who are postured in humility. Um, that is, I think, how God made us as individuals and you know, for us to be able to share that with others who maybe don't know Jesus or who are learning who God is, it's really key that we are applying that to ourselves first and then going from there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I got one more question before we wrap up. Uh, we are in the midst of a lot of change. There's a lot of change happening. And Taylor, I love that you talked about change in relation to the heart yesterday and just the role that God uses. So just kind of even maybe just summarizing a little bit what you said yesterday, but kind of what role does change have and how can we kind of or reorient ourselves and our posture towards change when it comes to our hearts? Yeah, I mean, change is huge in the in the climate that we're living in with you know, racial tensions, political views, everybody has an opinion about everything. Moving into the fall um, with schools and all of this stuff, there, there's a lot of change and there's a lot of unknown. And I think for the majority of us, that's really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, I kind of used that example of sifting through sand. And, you know, once you get rid of the sand, what's left in the sifter, some of those pieces are really beautiful and you want to save those special shells forever. But then some of it's just trash and it just needs to go. <laughs> and the change has a way and chaos has a way of not letting that stuff sit. And we have the opportunities um, as followers of Jesus to really take apart those ways we've done things for years or those things that we have hidden and, you know, hidden away and don't want anyone else to see, to really bring those up and uh, receive freedom and healing and forgiveness in those. And I think that God just uses that, ch that the factor of change to kind of amplify the speed and directions that we likely were already headed. Yeah, and I think as change comes— um, and things and things become a little bit more unsure. We we can find out the things uh, in our life that are uh, on a on a foundation of rock or a foundation of sand, mm -hmm. and the things that, that that are not that are not well rooted often become shook. Mm -hmm. And uh, while things are changing around us, we can take that opportunity to be transformed and to um, and, and and to lean into becoming more like He who doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Because we get rattled by change. I, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I'll just say I, I get rattled by change 
when there's those loose things that are built on shaky and sandy foundations that don't that aren't really good for me, whether it's a behavior or an attitude or an action or a whatever, whatever the case may be. And those things start to shake when there's change. And it may be that they just need to go on and be done with. And I can become more like Jesus who doesn't change. Um, so I don't know. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that that story I shared about Joshua you can read it in Joshua about making a, a memorial and a monument, a place of remembrance for God. As we've talked this whole series, that's been the underlying theme of God's faithfulness. And we need those markers to remember God's faithfulness. And then we also need them to kind of push us and send us in the right direction. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Taylor, for being here. Any last words kind of as we wrap up kind of the heart, anything that you want to leave us with? You know, I think my last parting word would just be to really challenge each one of us that is listening or maybe was present on Sunday or not present to take that time to do a heart check and not miss an opportunity to grow in deeper relationship with God um, and not run from it, not hide from it, not spend years wishing we would have changed our ways earlier but there is no better time than now. And so really jumping in and learning what are the things that make up my heart? What do I need to get rid of? And what do I need to realign with who God is and who He says that I am? All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time. Boom! That's it. You're free. Podcasts.